Hey guys, Deb Whitkus here, two-time Emmy-winning TV producer and sports journalist. You are listening to Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters, with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Colbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm one half your host today, Justin Williams. And today with me, I have the man, the myth, the legend, the one that makes my voice sound good, despite the fact I'm kind of nasally right now getting over a cold because <laughs> what are families good for aside from getting you freaking sick? Ladies and gentlemen, the man also knows everything about NFTs when it comes to So Rare, when it comes to UFC Strike, just anything. NFL all day, this guy's got you covered. And if you have not yet, go to our website, prosportspodcasters.com, sign up for that old newspaper, news flyer, whatever we call it nowadays, and he'll give you all the tips and tricks you need to survive. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Colbert Durant. Kobe, what's up? I'm good, buddy. How you doing? Oh, I had to drive home in snow. It was horrible. It was absolutely gross. People couldn't drive. I saw one person go off into a ditch. I was like, I didn't know that was possible in the city, but congratulations to you. So the Darwinism Award is going to be given out today. <laughs> of course. It was Ontario in February, man. What can you do? Oh, my God. Like We turned into people from Texas the second snow hits past January. We're just like, oh, this is how we die. But anyways, someone who knows all about the uh, ups and downs of the sporting world, who's also a fellow comedian, who I don't think I've shared the stage with her yet, but she's also a writer and editor for Raptors HQ. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Chelsea Late. Chelsea, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. Cold, but good today. <laughs> Cold? Did you have to face the snow too? I did. I just had to walk home from my part-time job in the snow, and it was awful. Did, did you wear uh, snowshoes? Yeah, unfortunately. I hate boots. <laughs> right? It like, So my mom when I was younger used to get me boots that would go right up to under my knees. Yeah. And it was good when it was cold, but in Ontario, we'll go from like minus five in the morning and it's like plus 10 in the afternoon. So like walking home with that just would cause like so much sweat to come down my leg. It was absolutely yes. gross. And like going inside anywhere, like then they're immediately not comfortable and you're like, no. Yeah, and you take your, your boot off and off comes your sock too. And you're like, all right, exactly. this is great. Ugh. The worst. First world problems, right? Exactly. <laughs> so how did you get into Raptors HQ? Like, how'd that all happen? It was so random. So I was, it was like mid-pandemic and I had been watching a lot of basketball because of the bubble as people were. And just like on Twitter, because I didn't have a job. <laughs> and just like through that and because... I don't know, I guess the editor, Josh, who is incredible, he found me on Twitter and randomly one day was like, hey, do you want a job? And I was like, uh, yeah. He was like, yeah, like we need writers for Raptors HQ. And I was like, I've never written about basketball before. And he was like, I don't care. And I was like, okay. So I just started up and have just learned really quickly. And it's been incredible. That sounds like the goal. Why don't jobs like that ever happen to us? <laughs> just come out of the sky. Okay. So you did that. That's awesome. Now you're on board. What was the first thing you covered for the Raptors? Oh, it was um, why Toronto needs a WNBA team. 
Oh, please enlighten us. I, I really <laughs> want a WNBA team. Yeah, same. It's kind of like my, like, um, do you know how everybody has that, like, weird, annoying agenda that they always push, like, at all times? Mine is the WNBA. That's fair. Yeah, though the WNBA is not weird or annoying. I just, I am weird and annoying about it. But, um, mm. yeah, so I had that, at that point, the W season had, like, just ended. And I was, like, really passionate about it. He was like, write something for your first piece that you're, like, really into. And I was like, all right. So I just, like, wrote this, like, huge thing about why Toronto is, like, the perfect place for WNBA expansion. And people loved it. So I kind of just became, like, the WNBA person on Raptors HQ, which, like, right now has no relevance. But I try and make it relevant. So it works. Damn. Well, I mean, we're having the uh, the game here, like, the uh, WNBA game. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be 100% relevant. Like, I feel like that's one of those pieces that's going to come back and be like, oh, see, see, repost. Exactly. I know it's kind of outdated now because this was like fall of 2021. But like now I write for like WNBA outlets. So I feel like, I don't know, every once in a while, I just have to go back to HQ and like remind the people. Oh, 100% and do that. I mean, they'll love you for it. It'll be relevant. It'll be a smash hit. Yeah. Now, moving forward with this. For the Raptors, Fred Van Vliet has been out for three days right now uh, due to personal reasons. Yes. Uh, do you know anything about that, if it's family or health-related? I'm just worried for this guy as, as an overall human being. I just don't know how worried you have to be. Oh, yeah. Like, he posted a couple of days ago that his wife had a baby. Um, so that's the reason that he's been out. And, I mean, depending on how they're doing, I'm sure he might be back for the next game. Um it was, like, very touch-and-go for, I think it was, like, Friday night's game. Whatever the first game of, like, the weekend was, he was out, like, very late scratch. So that was probably, like, his I, – I don't I don't think they're married. Fiancé. His fiancé was, like, going into labor. So I think that was, like, the reason he was a late scratch. And then he posted later in the weekend about it. So he's fine, personally. And, you know, we were ta- I was talking about this with some writer buddies. And we were like, hey, the last time he had a baby, the Raptors won a championship. So – Let's get those good vibes rolling. That's what I'm saying. Like steady Freddy, right? Exactly. He's got to stop having kids though. It was at th- <laughs> three now. Like It's three. And he's like, he just turned 29. I'm like, ooh. Guy, I have zero and I'm 28. Yeah. I like, know. My, I'm, yeah. My responsibility is my cat. <laughs> yeah. Chelsea, how long have you been a fan of, of basketball? Oh, man. Like a legit, like knowledgeable fan the past like three or four years I got really into it when I moved to Toronto just because the culture here is so strong and it just felt like something that like built community in terms of basketball itself I played in middle school and I was like very a very passionate 12 year old when I came to my my short basketball career as a player and then I kind of fell off of it in high school to like pursue the arts I feel like there's a very weird stigma back then about how you had to choose like what thing you wanted to do as a kid so I just like kind of dropped off sports, but luckily I've gotten back into it. Now, what's your feelings about the WNBA developing these sort of super teams in New York and Vegas? I love it. I think it's so good for the league. And like, maybe I'm a little biased because like I support the New York Liberty before, like before all this happened. But I just think that this league is at a turning point where it needs new fans. It needs people who are going to put money into the league. It needs um, very like healthy competition. It needs rivalry. It needs people to buy tickets. And so all of these things are only going to be like furthered by the fact that they have these two big 
big super teams. And as long as the WNBA does it right, where they eventually raise a salary cap and help more teams be able to have these like super teams, then there's just going to be more and more. It's just going to grow the league. So I think it's a great idea. And I know some people are kind of like salty about it, which I get if like you're not a Vegas or New York fan. But in the end, I think it's only going to bring like good publicity to the league because I think the main argument with for the trolls and the people are like, it's not real basketball. And I'm like, well, you're going to watch a Vegas versus New York game and that's going to be like good competitive, like physical basketball. So I think it'll be good. Yeah, I think you make a good point there because when you have some of those sort of fringe market sports, when you have two of the top teams playing each other, people tend to tune in, yeah. whether they're great big fans or not, right? So that's something I think can draw people to the league. And maybe through that, they're going to find themselves one and watching more. So I, I exactly. got to agree with you there. Now, you said you moved to Toronto. Moved to Toronto from where? I'm from Cambridge, Ontario. Oh, okay. The Tri-City area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not very far, but it, it kind of feels like a different world when you go back and forth, especially when you grew up there and like went to bush parties and didn't have anywhere to go. And then you come to Toronto and you just have like everything accessible to you all the time. Definitely a little bit of a, a shift, but yeah, it's from good old suburban Cambridge, Ontario. Now, are you just about the Oktoberfest celebrations as well? <laughs> or, or is Cambridge kind of left out of that? Cambridge is a little bit left out of it. Like you went and I mean, I went to Waterloo for four years. So like, I definitely knew what was happening. Um, but yeah, Cambridge is kind of like the like left out younger sibling of Kitchener and Waterloo. Like ev even when you're there, people are like, oh, Cambridge, ew. And I'm like, we're literally right next to you. You went to Waterloo? Yeah. I'm banned from Fed Hall. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm on their wall of shame. If you, you know, when you go in, you see all the pictures. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of the unhappy faces that got banned from Fed Hall. That's a whole other story and probably not for the this episode, but <laughs> I'll pass you back to Justin. Waterloo and Cambridge is such a fun area. I actually, um, I did some comedy over there for Black Sheep and they also had a bar before COVID. Um, I think it was Eight Ball or Black Ball or something like that. Okay. I don't even know if it's still running, but that, that was yeah. in downtown Kitchener. That was a fun show too. Yeah. It's a very weird city. Like I was there in college, obviously. So I went to like Phil's and Dallas and all those scummy, scrunchy bars <laughs> that I would like kill to go back to just one more time. But you know. Yeah. No, it, I, it was a good time. But the reason why I was also in Cambridge for a while, for a year actually, is the company I was working for, they hired me. I'm an electrical engineer, but they hired me. And my, my trade is high voltage. And they didn't okay. know that I had no training in uh, electronic circuits. I was like, no, what the, the fuck is a gate? I don't have no idea what this is. And <laughs> they're like, so shit. <laughs> so they sent me to Cambridge to do the um, electronics engineering program. It was like a year thing. Okay. So I was, I was at Conestoga College for a bit. Oh, good old Conestoga. That's so funny. My brother-in-law owns an electrical company in Cambridge. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Yeah. Just so many connections. But yeah, Conestoga. Good times. Yeah. And like everyone kind of gets shat on if you go to, to Cambridge. They're like, oh, that's where the crack people live <laughs> and the heroines. Yeah. I was like, really? I thought it was a good place. And they're like, they're no. The meanest people are the the Cambridge people about that stuff. Like the yeah. suburban moms who are like, get those people off our streets. And I'm like, fam, like it's Cambridge. Like let's lower our standards here. Legitimately f facts, facts for days. <laughs> but anyways, anyways, moving forward, moving forward. So you went to, uh, to kind of, or so you went to Waterloo. What did you study over there? 
I studied, it sounds very stuffy. It's not. It's, uh, I studied English rhetoric, media, and professional communication. That is stuffy. <laughs> Dude, you, your, your diploma must have been like size six font. Yeah, it was wild. And then I had a minor in speech communication, so it's just like longer. And of then course you did. I decided to take all of that and go to Humber for television writing. So I'm just really using it, you know? Oh, I feel you. I, I got my so I have a diploma in electrical engineering. Then I have an advanced diploma in electrical engineering technology. I got my bachelor's in engineering, and now I'm in teachers' college. Like, what am <laughs> yeah. I doing? Yeah, classic. <laughs> right, and then I like I'm one third of a podcast person, and I, I do stand up. Like, I don't just like the whole like jumble of things you got to do to survive these days. Facts. Like, aside from selling my kidney, that's what I got to do. Yeah, honestly, I have so many jobs; it's hard to keep up. It's disgusting. But moving forward, back to your to your writing job. Yeah. Do you or have you covered the CEBL at any point? I actually haven't. No, and it's I like the thing is that that's such a cool and like very growing and like interesting league that I had not heard about until very recently. And then Jay Cole came to Scarborough, yep. and that kind of like. I'm sure helped quite a lot, but yeah, very interesting league. I know a couple of people who work in it. I know a couple of people in Edmonton actually who are like really big fans, season ticket holders, the whole thing. So definitely got to, hopefully this year I'll be able to get out to like a game and get that going. Kobe and I actually interviewed, and I believe Nee was on it too, we interviewed a gentleman and he's a uh, a fan of the tr- uh, Scarborough Shooting Stars. He is yeah. a season ticket holder. And he was like, I'll bring you guys. And I was yeah. like, and so we, we talked about that actually we talked about J. Cole and I was like, I feel like the Scarborough shooting stars did this with the intent of just drawing more people in, not caring if they won and they made it to the finals. And I yeah. was like, damn, like, yo, they put all their, their, what is it? All their eggs in one basket and just yeah. battled, they didn't was- win, but still it was good hilarious story though when you think about it because everybody was like oh my god jay cole's coming he's gonna play the first like two games he's there like sold out crowds and then you realize that three games in he's leaving to go on tour like he was just there for three games yeah and they like based all of their marketing around him and it was brilliant it did well i mean he's back again this year i believe yeah because I think he signed a two-year contract. Okay. But even still, like Drake showed up to a bunch of games too. So it's like, oh, yeah. now you have Drake involved. Great. This is soon enough. Justin Bieber's going to show up. It'll be a fun time. The CBL will somehow over. Exactly. <laughs> the CBL will slowly overtake the G League. That is, and oh, yeah. well, the G League of the NBA. And uh, yeah, we'll be cooking. Yeah. Last question before I pass you off to Kobe. With how the NBA is structured right now. And we're getting to the, to the yeah, cap issue, not really cap issues, but just kind of cap question, if you will. So a lot of people are in love with the soft cap, the soft salary cap. Yeah. Do you feel like if the NBA for one or two years changed it to a hard cap situation where player they could not spend over a certain amount, do you feel like that would either crumble the NBA or somehow better it? Okay. I'm going to completely base this off of what's happening in the WNBA right now. Um, because they have a hard salary cap and Mm -hmm. there are some very rich people who own the Las Vegas Aces and the New York Liberty. And because of that, there is like an investigation going on right now that the Aces were like, basically the players were signing for like cheap contracts so that they could be under the salary cap, but then they were like getting paid through like sketchy other means And when I mean, like, sketchy other means, it was probably just, like, the owner funneling money through different avenues to, like, make sure they were being paid. 
And I think that would happen with the NBA as well. Like, these guys would be like, I want this much money. The team would be like, oh, we can't afford that. But here's a random sponsorship that has no correlation whatsoever. And then they'd end up getting that money through other avenues. So I feel like that would happen. Then it would cause a huge scandal. And then it would get more publicity to the NBA, therefore making it a positive. There you go. Two negatives make a positive. I'm down for this logic. Yeah, because that's what's happening in the WNBA right now. That exact scenario is happening. Listen, they're underpaid as it is, and they deserve way more money. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. That's like not – I was like, I'm not even mad they're like trying to get them paid more. I wasn't mad about it at all. I was like, you know, sure, like they broke the rules, but these people deserve to be getting paid as real professional athletes, so. Darn tootin'. And if this rich white guy wants to give them money, then might as well. Why not? It also can give me some money, too. Yeah, right? I have, I have some debts to pay. Sign up to SoRare, the ultimate fantasy sports NFT platform. Scout, collect, and trade officially licensed digital player cards with other fans in our open marketplace. Create teams with cards from your collection and earn points based on your players' real-life performances to compete in a variety of fantasy sports competitions. SoRare is a game that you can play this season and the next and the next and the next. It's almost like a a dynasty spin on fantasy is available in formats such as NBA, MLB, and also football, the world game. So what are you waiting for? Get involved. Get in the game. Get some cards and have some fun. Oh, did I tell you it's free, by the way? You just sign up, create an account, and then you can start playing. And if you want to go a little bit harder and purchase some limited, rare, or unique cards, you can do that too. But at a base level... This is really just a free, fun way to play with your mates and show who's really in the know when it comes to sports. Because ProSource Podcasters, we know our thing. But so rare is a chance to go up against us and see who really is the smartest in the room. So hit the link in the show notes and we'll see you on So Rare. Own your game. I think the, the issue the CEBL has, at least here, is Toronto is such a major market with so many options. Yeah. It gets grossly overlooked. And it does make sense to me that, like, you say someone at Edmonton might have season tickets and be a little more into it because it's got less competition there. Yeah, for sure. And especially for basketball fans who, like, want live basketball. That's right. That's right, right? Like, it's the Raptors have basically become Canada's team. So, (laughs) right? And we happen to have them in our backyard, so we're the lucky ones there. Mm -hmm. Now, Chelsea, when you got into – well, when you went to university for writing and such, was, was sports writing like up there or is that just what you've fallen into not at all which is so funny because my whole like my family and my close friends are like how did this happen and it was literally josh kern reaching out to me on twitter and it's all kind of raveled from there but i went in you know thinking that i was solely gonna do like comedy and like try and make that work and then obviously you know with the pandemic and just things working out the way they did. I just started getting these editorial and these sports opportunities, which has like allowed me to pursue the comedy in a way because like, and I'm sure, you know, you guys know this, but like when you're trying to write comedy and like even television scripts or whatever, like there's nothing you can show online for your work. And so being able to write these Raptors pieces and pieces on all these different sports outlets, having like actual published work out there that people can look at has actually really helped me. So it's been nothing but beneficial and it's made me a better writer. So I'm like down for this journey and I love it and it's fun and I get to go to basketball games. So I'm down. So what kind of comedy have you done? 
Um, right now I'm like hugely focusing on improv, uh, just cause that's been what's accessible to me right now. I've done a bit of stand up, um, written a lot of like satire, sketch comedy. I did the whole like second city route. And then I also like write scripts, sitcoms, like stuff like that. So I'm trying to get like that going as well, but very hard Avenue of course to get into, but yeah, as far as performing live right now, I'm just doing a lot of like improv and, you know getting in a little bit more to stand up. Do you enjoy being front and center or do you prefer just writing behind the scenes? I like both, honestly. Like I'm definitely one of those people who would love to write their own content and then be in it. But just the atmosphere of like being up there on a stage is something I've always loved since like high school. I was like one of those like high school theater kids. Um, And so I think the idea of having the control of writing my own stuff and then being able to like perform and share my own story is really intriguing. But I do, you know, I don't have to be like, I think that's the good thing about doing both is that you can give other people their moments. But when you feel that it's, you know, your time, you can go out there and really like share your own story. So it's, I like doing both. What have you enjoyed doing most that you've actually completed? I did the whole like Second City Conservatory thing, which was incredible. And I got a lot of like great writing through that and got to perform shows, but I had to do that online. So now I've been able to go back to Second City and um, perform a little bit on their stages. And that's been incredible to do improv and just being able to, you know, write these different pieces for these different like national outlets that I've read my entire life and seeing my name, you know, attached to them has been really, really cool. So those two things have been quite rewarding. Oh, that's awesome. And who's your favorite comedian? Oh, that's hard. Um, I've always been a f- like a big Amy Poehler fan okay. my entire life. Her book is like probably one of my favorite of those like humor memoir kind of things. But, you know, Kate McKinnon is up there. Um, just those like classic sketch comedy improv people. You know, I'm really into like the classic, even like Canadian, I- Canadian comedy is such like a cool like niche brand of stuff so you know the fact that so much of what people think of as like commercial like standard comedy comes from like Canada stuff is really cool so any of those like improviser comedian SNL people are are up there for me right on yeah I mean I'm a fan of the classic improv too I can't do it which is why I'm a fan (laughs) of it like I love Red Skelton like back in the day he him and Clem Kadiddlehopper well I mean that's his alter ego yeah. Oh, I used to have my dad has like a VHS of it, and I think I've watched a VHS. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I legit, I think I burned through it like at least 40, 50 times. Yeah. Just going over skits, practicing his routine, and I could do it by heart at one point when I was a kid. Amazing. And then we got a DVD of like a bunch of his collections. So that was, I need to go back and rewatch that. That was, oh, I love Red Skelton. May he rest in peace. Yeah. Um. So you said you, you did a little bit of stand up. Yeah. Uh, what was when was the last time you actually did stand up? This is really funny. Um, I did my last stand up show on like March thirteenth, twenty twenty. Yep. <laughs> it was we were all like, "Ha ha, this virus going around!" <laughs> like, and then like the next day, the NBA shut down, and it was chaos from there. But I was like, I refuse to do this online because no. And then I just got into sketch and started doing improv and. Now that I'm back to performing very regularly doing improv and I'm more comfortable back being on stage, I'm like, okay, it's time to get, it's time to get back into stand up. 
Yeah. I mean, that's I found with like a couple comedians, that was one of the avenues. They're just like, I refuse to do this online. Or they're like me and they're like, I'm going to abuse this online. Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, I must have been hitting like 10, 15 shows a day because I was abusing the time zones. Yeah, like, I was true. doing shows in India and like Thailand and all that stuff. There's like a comedian that's like, hey, we're doing English comedy. I'm like, fucking sign me up, dude. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I, I mean, like, yeah, it was intimidating because the fact I wasn't like fully comfortable with it yet. I was still like in the learning stages of it. So to like get up there in front of my computer and then like hear no like laugh or feedback or anything, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. That's weird. That's weird. Yeah, yeah it, it definitely would. <sighs> okay, so yeah, there were, there were times I'm like, I know this joke does well. Like, yeah. I know it is. And you just do it on Zoom stage, if you will. And it's like, I like I know this yeah. joke went well. Well, I did my whole, like, Second City grad review online. And, like, because I was confident in it, it was fine. I could just do it and not have the feedback of, like, no laughter. But, yeah, I was like, oof, this is weird. Yeah, it's uh, it can get a little taste tasteless. Uh, another quick question for you there. Mm-hmm. So when did you actually graduate Second City? Quick thing. Uh, Second I did my grad review in July of 2021. Do you know a girl named Selena? Selena. Um, not like in my group, maybe in the like out community, but not that like immediately comes to mind. Okay. Cause she was a, a friend I actually met in Cambridge who oh. graduated from second city and she's a comedian. And I was just like, Oh, Fun. dope. I, I couldn't think of the name for the longest time. I had to search my phone, but <laughs> Selena. Selena. There we go. Uh, another question about the NBA for you, like a legitimate question this time. Yeah. Okay. So in a perfect ideal world, where the Raptors can get anybody they want. What do you think they need to do to better this debacle that we see currently? Because we saw them against like wishy-washy teams and they dominated. Yeah. yeah. But the second the Cavs showed up. <laughs> <laughs> nope. They, oh my gosh. They, they headed south so quickly. Rough. I think they've done the first step, which is getting a center. Like it's so hilarious to watch them now and be like, they lasted how long without a center? Okay. Um, yeah. The next thing I think would be getting someone who's like, like we we need a superstar. You know, I think the key to the last run was like the Kawhi coming in thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we need like like a Dame or a like. I'm trying to think of guys who would like I don't know who aren't in situations right now and could benefit from the Raptors. Dame is a huge one. Um, in the in the summer, they were trying to get Donovan Mitchell was a big one people were throwing around. Kevin Durant at one point was like a, a tossed around in discussions. And I just think like someone of that caliber who like is like, again, like why you come in, you get instant results. And sure, maybe you leave after, but whatever, like we got a championship out of it. So I'm okay with it. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I thought that too. I'm like, we definitely need a superstar. And I was worried that Russell Westbrook would have found himself here. Yeah. And I would have been like, I don't want Russell Westbrook at all because. Yeah. And it's so weird that he's now in the Clippers. Like he's, yeah. It's. <laughs> oh. The NBA is such like a funny, sometimes it seems scripted almost. Wow. You, you mean it could be fake? <laughs> Come on. I had no idea. <laughs> Honestly, my issue with the Raptors is I don't really know who runs the offense. That's my issue with the Raptors. So sometimes it's Van Vliet. Sometimes it's Gary Trent. Sometimes it's Scotty Barnes. Like I, I honestly don't know who's supposed to run that offense. And I don't think they, they even know. It's almost a hot hand approach, and that doesn't work long term, right? So in the short term, it can be successful, and then things get messed up. So that's that's my only issue with the Raptors right now. But, I mean, uh, bringing in Yakabola was excellent. They're 7-3 and three over the last 10. I, 
we're almost back to 500. So, <laughs> almost. so close. Right. Like to me, 500 is sort of like the, the measuring stick. Yeah. You know, you got to be a winning franchise. So sure. they're, they're working their way back. I can't complain about that. Yeah. And like, yeah, Yakupotal. And like, to go back to what you were saying, like you watched that first game where Fred Van Vliet was out last week and like, you could tell they were like, oh, what are we doing? What are we doing? You know, and it was probably because he was such a late scratch. They didn't have like a, a plan and set like in, you know, they didn't practice or anything without him. But mm-hmm. y- you watched that game and you were like, none of them know what's going on. <laughs> like, it was wild. And I, I think they ended up winning. There's just, yeah, I, I don't know what day it is anymore these days, but maybe they ended up winning that game. But I could tell there was a, a very clear disconnect between like who was supposed to be running the place. Now, as as far as the, I mean, we got our major acquisition, but is there anybody on the Raptors you'd like to see us deal? Hmm. I mean, I think the most likely situation right now is OG and Anobi. Personally, I'm like of the belief of keeping Gary Trent Jr. I think he's on like a pretty good upward trajectory. Um, and I would probably deal OG before I dealt Fred Van Vliet, just because Fred has more of that like leadership capacity that the Raptors very much need as like a young team. And OG, like, oh, I like love him as a player, great defensive player. You know, we drafted him, all of that stuff. But again, like when you think about who they're trying to think about, like who's going to come off the bench when Fred comes back, that's been like the looming thing since Siakam Poto was uh, brought to the Raptors because OG was injured or whatever. And once they have all those guys back, it's like who's going to go come off the bench? And Gary Trent Jr. seems like the likely option, but to me, it's like. Okay, you need OG for defense, but you also need Trent Jr. shooting. And so I feel like OG is at a point where you could get a ton of return for him. He's, like, in his prime. He's great. And, like, there's been rumors that he's not happy about his role. So, like, maybe it's the right situation. So I feel like he's the most likely option at this point. Okay. And if you could only interview one basketball player, who would it be? Ooh. um, Candace Parker. Okay. Okay. A fan, obviously. Yes. I'm a big fan. <laughs> nice. So before we get you out of here, we just have a couple of uh, little silly questions, kind of like let you go on a happy note. Yeah. Um, you're a Canadian, as we know. Love it. Have you ever had a poutine before? Yes. A lot. A lot of times. Uh, was, we've had some Canadians that are like, ah, uh, no. What? Mind you, they're from the West. Yeah. Like okay. people from Vancouver. Oh, <laughs> Losers. no. <laughs> Right, they're like, I don't, I've never had a poutine before, and I'm like, ugh, you just sound pretentious. Yeah. And what's your poutine of choice? Oh man, either classic, you know, don't mm-hmm. mess with greatness, or it's really, really good when you get some sort of like pulled pork or brisket on there, mm. or shawarma. You know what? That's not even bad. I'll take oh, that. Delicious. All right, and have you had a beaver tail before? Yes. <laughs> All right, and what's your beaver tail of choice? Oh, well, you got to go plain and simple OG with the beaver tail. You can't mess up that greatness. I mean, I, I really like uh, apple cinnamon on mine. That's those just ones me. are good, yeah. Those oh, are good too. It's can't. just those ones get messy. If you're like out and about in like the Blue Mountain or Ottawa or whatever, you're just grabbing it on the go. You just got to get the, the clean one. I mean, true, but also I'm not sitting there like doing that. I I, I like to sit down and eat. I'm not oh, a much okay. of eat on the go kind of person. Also, who oh, eats okay. on the go with a beaver tail? That's just hold seems- on. No, but she's right though. She mentioned Blue Mountain, and like that's a popular place to have it. Yeah. Oh, 100. percent But like, it's only the rookies that are going around walking and eating. <laughs> yeah. 
You're like, like oh, you're new here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, sit down, boy. Let me show you what to do. And where can our fans find you on social media? I am on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as Chelsea Late. Cool. Plain I'll have to and give simple. You, a, you have to give you a follow on all three of them. Yeah. And that's L-E-I-T-E. Yep. Chelsea Milk. All right. Good to have you on, Chelsea. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience, where no sport is left behind.